Now on to the real film. <laughs> the real cinema. Yeah. So. Exasperated side. This week, one of us watched The Spirit of the Beehive. <laughs> well, th- we've both seen it. Yes. Technically. Yes. It's been it's been a while for me. I watched most of it and then had to, to be for work and uh, didn't really get much of a chance to finish it. But I, I kind of skimmed through the ending to remind myself of it. So The Spirit of the Beehive is a 1973 Spanish drama film directed by Eric uh, Eriche. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I think uh, a running theme in this podcast is me butchering directors' names. <laughs> but uh, alcohol and uh, I, no, it's not the alcohol. I'm not. I'm not drunk. I had late lunch and I had canes today. First time in a while. Nathan inspired me. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a Spanish film. This was made at the very end of the uh, Franco uh, fascist government. And it the film takes place in uh, the nineteen late nineteen forties. I think it says nineteen forties. Nineteen forty on the dot. And it is about a two sisters and a mother and a father who live in a house in a little remote Spanish village. And the sisters watch Frankenstein, and they have experiences afterwards. It's hard to explain, Chandler. It really is. What did you think of the spirit of the beehive? This- this is a new record. Um, this this what, is a monument. We cannot record be- if you're just going to start waving that mic around the whole time. Do you have like a firm surface to put it on? I guess I do. Also, turn it around. Oh, you're right. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, Jacob, this is... Uh, this is. I will sit here. Jacob, this, my friend, this is a, this is a first for me. Because for the first time in split take history, I fell asleep watching a movie. <laughs> I had to go back about 10 or 15 minutes. Um, I was going to. But anyway, this movie bored me to tears. It's okay, <laughs> but it's boring. Uh, I don't really. I, I The whole time I was watching it, I was thinking, oh, I must be missing something. Am I missing an element of the plot? Do I not know what's going on? And then I looked up the plot afterwards and i thought nope i completely followed the story i just don't care i don't know what it's trying to say i don't know what the greater meaning is i don't i feel like maybe if i knew the historical context i'd have a better clue of what it's going for i don't i didn't care to look it up another running that's all i can really say it's fine I don't understand the reverence because this is not the first time I've heard of this movie. As I, as you recall from last week, I was excited to watch mm-hmm. this because it is a movie that I hear revered often. Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro. He's a big fan. And I can see why he's a big fan of it because a lot of what he does better is in this movie. He's done this movie twice. Both Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth are very similar to this movie. And both those movies are leagues better than this one. Mm. But it's one of those movies where I didn't like it, but I can't really give you a reason as to why other than I was bored. I just didn't care. Yeah, it's a film that's hard to get into because technically your main character is Anna, this little girl who, mm-hmm. adorable who, little girl. I'll be honest. Good actress. I didn't know she was a girl until halfway through the movie. Oh, okay. You don't see her for like the first 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. actually, I really like the beginning of this film. I think the first 15 minutes is pretty good mostly because it hasn't set in that there's not much going on at all and it's a film it's a very quiet film very understated film 
probably one of the most understated films we're going to watch on this on this list and it's it's a beautiful movie it really looks good if it does i don't know like i want to like it more than i do and one of the reasons why i like the beginning is i i think there's something to, to connect to there there's the the father is keeping bees i think beekeepers are just interesting so that that caught my attention for a few seconds and then i forgot he was the a traveling <laughs> the traveling cinema comes into town and i think that's the most interesting part of the film where they show okay, give me a cinema parody so yeah vibes, that but whole, where they yeah, show this small it. town they bring a film that has been out for like 10 years i think frankenstein mm-hmm. is from the early 1930s and they bring it to the small town and everyone goes in to enjoy the film and i like that i like the fact that it is based the film is based around uh anna uh, her reaction to this movie uh yeah great great setup and it just kind of lollygags and meanders and and I guess if you're going for like a portrait of a small town vibe, it gets there. But here's the thing, like the thing I find uh, totalitarian regimes to be endlessly fascinating, endlessly fascinating. I agree. And you're almost being sold that this film is taking place in Francoist Spain. And yet there almost is nothing to do with that. Like there's no hints of fascism or anything like that. And other than I noticed his portrait in the background and like hanging on a few walls, but that's the only like, I don't know, like the it's, thing that well, I think Guillermo del Toro gets right is he brings that more to the forefront because that's interesting. They said at the beginning that this is the end of a certain war, um, the Civil War. And I didn't know anything, but I just went off context clues because I knew that there was a Spanish Civil War and there was fascism involved, but I didn't know the correct time frames. So as I was watching this, you know, with that caveat in mind. I'm like halfway through the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, this is where the this is after the fascists lose. And it wasn't until I looked up afterwards. Oh, this was a th- this was fascism the whole time. This looked fun. Well, not fun, but it didn't look terrible. No, it didn't look like the Pan's Labyrinth fascism. Yeah. So I I don't that that's where that's what I'm saying is that I don't know what this movie's trying to say because it has a very specific time period in mind, mm-hmm. but it does nothing really with that time period to say anything interesting it could be taking place in a lot of different time periods like you could set it 40 years earlier yeah. in that same town or 40 years later in that same town and i'm not sure i would notice a difference the main draw is the the anna's gullibility you could say or her imagination that is captivated after this movie but even that is like Okay, what? Why is she looking for this spirit other than she wants to see it? There's no connection there either. I get the sense that there's a lot of metaphor about the Francoist government here. That mm-hmm. not that I don't get because I'm pretty pretty good at like picking up on those things. It's just that I think it's so buried or um, it's too buried. Yeah, it's so. I'm reading the the Wikipedia article, which, as we know, is the the most trusted reliable source of information (laughs) but still it says that while the censors were alarmed by some this was released at the end of the 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 spain was still fascist during this time um Mm -hmm. and some of the censors were alarmed by some of the film's suggestive content about the fascist regime they allowed it to be released in spain based on its success abroad and the assumption that most of the public would have no real interest in seeing a slow-paced, thinly plotted, and artsy film. They weren't wrong. 
And essentially, I think I'm on the same pages as the censors. Is like if I was a totalitarian censor, I was like, fucking let them watch it. They're not going to get anything from this. <laughs> you think you think the uh, the starving farmers are going to go to the movie theater and be like, oh, I'm the bee. <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, behind the scenes thing that I briefly watched where they actually they go and show the film there in the same village, and you get the sense that like. Of course, none of these people had seen the film that was filmed in their own village. Why would they watch it? <laughs> I mean, that's another yeah. discussion to be had. Like, what does the title mean? And I don't know. The, the whole bee metaphor, because, okay, it, it wasn't until I said that just now where I understood <laughs> the bee aspect. Okay, they have the close-up of the bees. He writes about the bees. Bees are fascism. I understand. They all serve under one queen. Awesome. Cool. The spirit of the beehive is the children of course it's a film <laughs> about family it's like okay that metaphor i'm sure if i was actively watching this movie and not fighting the sleep that i eventually succumbed to i could have picked up on that metaphor but that metaphor is so it's it's so simple and it doesn't say anything that anyone with a working knowledge of fascism doesn't already know so I'm like, okay, this is cool that you made this in a fascist government, but it's still not that interesting or all that introspective or entertaining. It's it is shot very well though, especially when she leaves the forest at the end. The the most interesting thematic parts of the film are have nothing to do with fascism or anything related to it. I think it's the it's it's ideas on the impressionability of young of children with film and just exploring Anna and how she believes that there there's a spirit and all that and wants to to know like about Frankenstein from her, her other her older sister and like that that's interesting i mean there there's barely any of that in there to be fair but yeah i like that's that's where i think the film has something worthwhile is getting kind of milking it for whatever little it is in there with Anna, little girl and following her around because they're, they're adorable little kids. They're cute. They're cute. It's, a, you know, there's enough there. There's mischief. Yeah. There's innocence, loss of innocence through film, through an escaped convict, I suppose, who is the only real point that we ever see fascism in the film. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the thing is when I saw it, Again, not understanding the historical context, I thought, oh, is that a fascist? Is that the bad guy? And it wasn't. It we are all the fascists. Guy. We are all the fascists. Because we don't like Spirit of the Beehive. It's a movie. The the director the goal the director's goal was to make a movie so slow paced that makes you want to be the fascist and uh censor it. <laughs> i'm joking I, I do find this film kind of charming in, in a very simple way and yeah. you have to maybe like i feel like this film is for me like the content the subject matter theoretically is for me but it's not i i had much the same reaction both times i watched it that's yeah well that okay i liked it a little more the second time but let's put this into context here because this if there's one consistent theme in this list it is Sad European children. <laughs> Fanny and Alexander, Kess, <laughs> The 400 Blows, and Spirit of the Beehive. 
And of all of those, this is by far my least favorite because I didn't even find the children. I mean, they were cute, but they didn't really have much of a personality aside from Anna being very gullible. Mm-hmm. And the sister I thought was kind of funny with that her elaborate prank on her sister. But that was another scene that just took fucking forever. Where Anna walks in, sees her sister on the floor, is like, Anna, what are you doing? And then she's there for like two or three minutes and then she leaves and then she doesn't get anybody. And then she comes back and then gets spooked by Anna. I'm like, this is like a five minute scene that should have been two. Mm. Yeah. It's just, I understand when you have children led films like this, you want to meander a bit. That's why I liked Kess. We saw a lot of his family life, his school life, his him with the bird. But all the stuff that he did or they did in this movie was just they did nothing. All it was was them in the house talking to each other. They picked mushrooms. We learned about mushrooms, Chandler. Oh. The mushrooms were the beehive. And the pickers are us. We are the people oh oh sorry this is completely irrelevant to this discussion but i i finally remembered i was editing our conversation about the 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 color of pomegranates and uh earlier in the episode i said we were talking about the death of stalin and i said i was going to make a death of stalin reference that i never did and (laughs) so weeks months later i'd like to pick up this this uh joke (laughs) That I was just reminded of, and it was um, in the in the death of Stalin. The Stalin son uh, has a speech, and in his speech, he says, "Russian cubs, Armenian cubs, Lithuanian cubs." And in the film, there's references to Armenia, to Georgia, and to the whole Caucasus region. And all I could think of was that speech from the death of Stalin. <laughs> Sorry, I'm grasping. Oh, here's it back another metaphor. More interesting. Here's another metaphor. The father's grandfather told him about how poisonous mushrooms were and anyone with a working knowledge of this mushroom wouldn't last a day if you ate it. Maybe that's a metaphor for fashion. Maybe the meta- maybe the real lesson of Spirit of the Beehive is just don't eat mushrooms or don't pick your own mushrooms. I was <laughs> thinking of uh, of uh, Phantom Thread during, during that. Oh, of course. And, the, and then I started they... looking up mushrooms during that part of the film. Phantom Thread owns the cinematic mushroom language. If we're talking about films that deserve to be on this list, let's put Phantom Thread on here instead of this. Sorry, Spirit I, of the Beehive fans. Well, they're all dead now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you went on the Criterion subreddit, you'd find a few. Spirit. Um. Uh. Well, fuck. I forgot what I was going to say. People have like I've been seeing. Sorry, this is another tangent. I've been seeing people buy husbands. Uh, for the yeah, that's new. The the Barnes and Noble uh, sale. I'm like, what do you see in this film? I'm curious. I'm uh, as a I'm I I struggle to even say fan. I'm gonna say Cassavetti's apologist. <laughs> uh, even I can't find any merit Cassavetti's in apologist. That's great. Uh, I, I I forgot what I was saying. Oh yeah, no. Here's the real point of the movie. Mm-hmm. They emphasize multiple times that movies are fake. So yeah, this guy's fake. He's know the fuck he's talking about just because. He packs his metaphors into a movie. Doesn't mean you have to live by it. There you go. There's your message. Well, Spirit of the Beehive. Uh, it does it. It's it's on the critics list. Of course it is. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Does it deserve to be on here? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's that's a hard no for me. That's the hardest no I've had in a while. I'd put Pan's Labyrinth on here. That's another film. I very would similar. Too. Uh, very similar subject matter, but I think that's uh, that's the better film. But it's also horrifying. Yeah, it's much better. Pants Labyrinth is amazing. It's a great. Okay, that one's done. What's next? I would like to suggest to you, 
we we don't have to be as rigid with this list as we have been mostly because i'm not sure i want to watch this next film this week oh what is it what is it this is uh stanley kubrick's a clockwork orange (laughs) (laughs) and the one after it is the magnificent ambersons which just sounds much more pleasant it does it does i've never seen a clockwork we can watch it like honestly I, i don't mind Oh, we could. Do, oh, can we? Do, I have the double feature. We should watch something that we actually like, really enjoy, just so we don't get. Yeah, I got it. No, okay, I got okay. a perfect double yeah, feature. Sure. What's up? A uh, Clockwork Orange and Each of the Killers. <laughs> <laughs> this is Chandler's secret plot to get me to quit the podcast. <laughs> I think that would break me. Those two films. Nah, one I day. Don't. We no, we don't have to go to Clockwork Orange. We can diverge for a little bit. That that might be a, a wonderful chance to actually do the Phantom Thread podcast with Nick. We talked about. 